Well, we are uh, going through a series on Ephesians um, here this summer and taking seven weeks. There are, yes, six books in Ephesians, but we did, uh, we added our own seventh book, decided we would continue it. No, we did a, an intro week where just kind of laying out the general theme of the book of Ephesians. Um, and so it's kind of been fun just to dive into that and just want to continue and encourage you if you haven't done it already, but, or even if you have, to continue to, as you go home and during the week, open up your own Bible and begin to look at Ephesians, read it again and read it again and read it again. You know, sometimes it's easy to read the Bible just as a textbook. Or sometimes it's re- easy to read it as something detached. Um, it's, it's we're, we're reading about history or we're reading, you know, kind of in, a, in some form of a detachment way. But it's good to get in there and to reread it and, and keep reading it until we grasp it. Um, I was even thinking, you know, in, the, in, in this is, as we go through this, is to think of it as Paul was writing. He, Paul's in jail today and he's writing this letter to us. And that's what the word of God is. It's living. We talk about it being living, which means it, it wasn't just for a time of the past. It was for the past. It is for the, 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 the present. And it's also for the future. And so when we read it, it's to think of it in that way. Not as, man, this is a, a neat letter that he decided to read to write to a people long, long time ago. But that, no, he's, he's asking us to live this way. He's asking us to think this way. You know, when you, when you read it and they talk about the problems that they were facing back then, they're not a, ho- a whole lot different than the problems that you and I are facing today. Whether it be in society, whether it be in the way that we relate to one another, whether it be about differences that we have in and outside of the church, it's not a lot different. And so the, the tools that he gives us are just as applicable to you and I right at this very moment as it was to them the day that the pen hit the paper and it was written down before in the first time it was read. And so for us to dive into it from that point of view and not see it as I'm a historian up here just giving you guys a a presentation of something that took place a long time ago. Does that make sense? So as we look at this, um, we kind of picked three, three kind of main themes um, from the book of Ephesians. But the first part of it is, uh, and we kind of took three words. One is stand, one is walk, and one is fight. And so if you look at uh, Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, a lot of them, that the, the focus there is stand. And what do we mean by stand? Uh, Paul's laying out some doctrinal truth. So he's, he's talking about how we're, we're called. And he's, he's talking about the calling we have. Uh, that we're forgiven. Um, that, that, that we move through this. Pastor Bob uh, spoke on, on chapters 2 and 3. And just about the idea that it's by grace. It's not by works. I don't know if you were here the Sunday, he, he invited uh, uh, one of the, the, the youth of the church up and he asked him, you know, um, uh, did you fast for me while I was uh, uh, in, in Africa? And, and, and the kid says no, and so he gave, he gave the kid some money as a reward for not doing it. You know, did you pray for my message today? And the kid says no, and he gives him some money. He keeps going through this list, you know. Uh, do, do you encourage, do you ever antagonize your siblings? And the kid says yes, and he gives him some money. 
Bob says, thanks. Kid thinks, okay, cool sermon illustration. Here's the money back. Bob says, no, it's yours. And that is the gift that we get from God. It is not we wake up in the morning and God says, okay, let's go through the list. Let's see if my grace is with you today. No, he pours it out freely to us. And it's not by our works. It's not something that we're striving or earning for. It is something that he just freely gives to us. And then just standing in who we are in Christ and having that confidence that this is who God has called me to be. So that when the other voices come and all the other things happen, the accusations, maybe the, 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 the walls get built in front of us and we feel like we have resistance, that we know, man, God has called me. I, I got this shirt. Um, I'm not wearing it because I'm arrogant today. I'm wearing it because I'm insecure. It says, uh, I was made for this. And a couple of us were at a, a church conference, and normally I don't really get too excited about the little free gadgets they hand out or the latest CD they're giving you um, or different things like that because I think it's really cool to be out of touch. So that's what I try to do. Um, actually, just this last week, I was at a friend's house down in Sacramento, and we go and we're picking up a, a pretty popular musician the guy gets in the car, and so my buddy says, hey, did you, did you listen to his latest album and starts naming all these songs? I'm like, no, I haven't. And the dude's like sitting right there, and he just keeps going. He's like, oh, no, you must have heard this one. I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't. Um, I listen to whatever we sing, and we're not singing your stuff. So, um, But I, I got this shirt, and something hit me spiritually when they handed this shirt out to me, uh, that because... I just felt like God wanted to speak to me that I was made for this. And when I say this, I'm not talking about being up here. I'm not talking about your or my, our, um, our, our, our jobs. I'm talking about who he says I am. Because who he says I am isn't contingent on the job that I have. And who he says you are isn't contingent on the job you have. Who he says you are isn't contingent on whether you have a role in this church, whether there's maybe some title of leader in front of or behind or around your name or whatever place, it's contingent on do you actually have confidence and do you stand in it and say, this is who I am. I was made for this. And it doesn't matter what happens around me, I'm moving forward in who God says I am. In chapters uh, 4, whereas we're going to go into today, but chapters 4 through uh, the beginning of chapter 6 is walk. And that's all about application to um, life, uh, just being uh, how we walk it out. So it's kind of like the first three, he's building a, a, a case for this is who you are. And this is what God did for you. And then now that we get into chapter 4 and uh, 5 and the beginning of 6, we're going to begin to look at how do we actually walk that out? Because we don't want to just be hearers where we hear what he says, but we also want to be doers where we begin to actually take a step and walk it out in faith. Does that make sense? But we got to have that confidence and, and to do that. And then the end part, fight um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 23, looking at spiritual warfare in the armor of God, where we stand firm and when, when we have resistance and things like that. So today, we're going into Ephesians chapter 4. We're looking at walk. 
uh, kind of looking at it from that mindset. So as you go through, as we read through this, be thinking of it from, okay, how do I walk this out? Not this is a neat idea, and it's not just about making a case for it, but it's how do I actually step into this and begin to walk this out and really looking at um, unity and maturity in the body of Christ. How many of you think we could use more unity? And I'll just tell you, you all need more maturity. Okay, so you don't even have to raise your hand on that one. No, we do. We need more unity, um, us with each other, us with the other churches in our community, us with those that aren't even in church. We need to have more, church, more maturity in the way we act and the way we walk. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to gather together and to celebrate. Even as that last song that we sung, you are worthy of it all. God, this is all about you. We do not want to be a church of a show. We do not want to be a church of, a, of an entertainment or a church of an event or, or a church of just of, 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 of something of a moment. But God, we want to be a people that are radically in love with you. God, not because of what you're going to do for us or not because what we might get out of it, but because of what you already did for us, that we would never, ever lose the joy that is found in your salvation. But God, that we would also be a people that as we gather, and whether in a large group setting like this or in a small group or maybe just talking with each other or even having our own time with just you in reading our Bible or talking to you through what we call prayer, that we would never settle for where we are today, but we would continue to grow to become more and more like the men and the women that you've called us to be. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open each one of us up for our spirits to receive what your word says. Not what I say out of my mouth, God, but what your word says. Help me to convey it. We just ask that, uh, God, this would be a time where you would speak to each one of us personally, right where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to read out of the NIV. Um, how many of you guys wish that the church would just pick a Bible version and stick to it, and you would go buy that version, and then it would never be complicated? Any of you? Well, I'm glad that I'm here to frustrate you. As we said, you need a mature, and uh, no. Sorry, was that a little too harsh, Tamar? Okay, I apologize. I need a mature. Um, oh, Vicki likes that. Amen, sister. She's like, it's about time he admitted that. Um, we're going to be looking at this through the NIV. Um, you know, there's a lot of different translations and things out there, and uh, it's hard to find that perfect one. Um, so enough about translations. So we're just going to read through this and, and then kind of just look at what, um, just look at different elements of it. So uh, as a prisoner, this is Paul talking, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. So again, remember that he just spent the last three, what we call chapters, back then it was just, he was just writing, so you could say almost the first half of his letter was him making a case. And now he's saying, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now it's not, well, I'm going to keep reading. But completely humble and gentle, be patient, 
bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now here, Paul's a prisoner. He's a prisoner because he was walking out his faith. He has an authority. Now there is something where, you know, we're never going to all go through the same things in our life. Okay, we, we have different experiences. We've, we've all had different joys, different trials, different things like that. And um, now we can have compassion for one another and we can be there when we try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes um, and, we, and we try to say, man, that, that must really be hard what you're going through. But there is something really powerful when someone has gone through it and they're talking to you and saying, I've been through that. There, there's an authority in it. Or when someone gets up with a good idea and just says, hey, I think we all need to do this. But you know the person isn't trying to do it themselves. It's still a good idea. It doesn't take away the good idea. But when someone gets up and they're like, man, we, we need, to, uh, we need to, to, to act like this. And you know that they are paying the cost to do that themselves. There's an authority that's in it. And there's a power that's in it. And here you have Paul. He's not just sitting in a comfortable seat somewhere and uh, in, his, um, you know, in his vacation home just writing another letter to, to you know, the churches that are, are getting persecuted and all this. No, he's a prisoner for doing, walking out the gospel. He's a prisoner. So there's an authority in what he's saying to us. Remember, we're looking at this as what is he saying to us today? So he's a prisoner for the Lord. Now he's, he's calling us to live worthy of the call. And it's not whether or not you're called. You are called. It's not live worthy once you're called. You are called. Say, I am called. I am called. called. We got to believe it. Because so many times it's so easy to push it aside because maybe we don't believe people are receiving it. Or there doesn't seem to be as many open doors as we thought. Or it doesn't come as easy. But that doesn't change whether or not you and I are called. God has called us. And regardless of whether or not we're being received in that way. We still, it's our job not to make. It's it's not uh, uh, my job to say make you guys receive me. I don't start acting in my calling once you guys first do your job of receiving me. Does that make sense? It's my job to walk in who God asked me to be regardless of what's taking place. I can't use the excuse that, well, I just wasn't being received right. No, I got to walk it out on a daily basis. Now, we got to be completely humble. You know, back in that day, just as much as it is today, Humility wasn't something to be praised. It was actually looked down upon. You look at most people that are honored in our society today. Most The people that get the most press. The people that are on the news the most. Whether we're talking politically, whether we're talking sports, whether we're talking um, uh, uh, just entertainers, whatever it is. Humility 
across the board, typically, is not, um, I guess across the board kind of means everything, and then typically means sometimes. And then on average, I'm gonna throw the whole thing in there just to, you get the point though. Not every single time, but the majority of the times, the people that are getting that are not the humble ones. They're the ones that go out of their way in pride. And it was the same way it was then. But he's saying, you know what? We don't want to be like that. There is this model over here, but that's not the model I'm calling you to. We're being called over to, to humility. We're being called to be gentle. We're being called to be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Then he talks about making, uh, keeping the unity. You know, it's not our job to create the unity. The unity is created in Christ. Uh, there was a lot that was said in chapters 2 and 3 about the Jew and the Gentile. For so long, the Jews were the chosen people. And the Gentiles, in a sense, were kind of an outside. And then there became a mindset for the Jews, that, that you know, the, the Gentiles aren't, they're not one of us. They're, they're not called. And we can look back on that and think, man, that was kind of crazy. And thank, thank God that Jesus brought us all together. But you know what? We do the same thing a lot of times. It's easy. Where we look at ourselves as, well, we're the called ones. Or we're the anointed ones. Man, we got our, we got our membership to the club. But those outside, they don't. But there is unity in Christ because God says we are all his sons and his daughters. And it's his desire for every single one of us that are currently in this room and those outside of this room to be reconciled to him. For us to come together as a family, as brothers and sisters, and to be able to dwell with one another even though we have differences. Even though we don't always see things exactly the same. And so it's our job, what we're being called to is not go create unity, but walk in the unity that he already created. And it changes it. Because when you walk into a room and you feel the pressure that it's your job to create it, what do you do? What do I do? I start getting into my own strength. I'm living in here. I start kind of trying to come up with my own ideas. But the idea is already there. Because Christ already created the unity. My job is just to work, or to, to walk worthy of the calling, and to step out in being who he called me to be. So, then he's saying there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. An idea there is that it's not a whole bunch of different hopes. So this section over here doesn't say, well, I'm of the hope of this. In this section, oh, but okay, well, that's cute for you guys, but we're of the hope of this. And in this section, we're, well, but we're of the hope of this. And, well, we're of this spirit. And, and, and we're, we're chasing after this spirit in this group, but we're, we're going to go chase after this spirit. No, it's one hope. We are unified in that. It is one spirit. Do we have different experiences? Yeah. Each one of us has. If we were to go around, we had time to each person to say, you know, how God met them. When they, did, when they came to a place of saying, Lord, I want to I surrender my life to you. It's going to sound a lot different. But it is one Jesus that came and visited every single person. Amen. And he is bringing us to one forgiveness. 
into one cross and with one spirit and with one hope and we serve one God. But it's so easy to look at it as, well, no, my experience, well, that's, that, I'm going to align with this spirit or I'm going I'm to align with this. And we begin to see the differences. So here, moving on to verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So here he's quoting a psalm. where he's almost prophesying what Jesus was going to do. And there's something powerful in the fact that Jesus, almost like we're saying with Paul from the beginning, that he was a prisoner. There was an authority in what he said because he had experienced it. In the same way, we have a, a Savior who didn't just stay far away, but came down and lived with us came down and experienced what we experienced, came down and was tempted, came down and was beaten, came down and was abandoned, came down and was neglected, came down and was falsely accused. Those things took place. And so he, he came. But there was a grace that was given to each one of us. And it goes back to that, uh, that it's not by our works, but it's in the grace of God. But also this grace, as we talk about the gifts that he gave us, um, each one of us are going to have different gifts. How I many of you guys are thankful you're not me? Vicki, I know you are, so raise both hands high, thank you. We're, we're different people. And sometimes we can see something in someone else and say, ah, I wish, you know, I, I, I looked like that, or I wish I was taller or shorter, I wish I had this, I wish I drove that person's car, I wish I had that person's house. We, we, can, we can look at things that way. Now, we, God gave each one of us, every single one of us in this room, regardless of your background, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where you were born and how you were raised, it's the same grace in love and forgiveness for each one of us in this room. There is not somebody in this room who's more deserving of his love than the person sitting next to them. Now, but he did call us to walk into different things. And there's that grace that he puts on us that is different. Because it's unique to the calling he gave us. But our thing is not to compete with each other in our callings. It's to walk out and just be faithful with the call that he gave us. You know, if you've ever been, I, my, my uh, kids have been uh, doing more and more track at their schools. And they all, you know, they're running different heats. They're running different things. Some kids are throwing a, a heavy ball. Some kids are throwing a frisbee-like thing. Some are throwing a spear. Some are running with a really long straw and trying to jump over a pole without hitting it. Some are running, and when they see a white line, they jump into the sand and try to land and see who can get the farthest. 
They run different distances. Now they're all doing their part, but it's very, very unique. And if the long distance runner tries to run the 100 meter and win, they're gonna be extremely disappointed because it's completely different. Just as much as the person who sprints 100 meters goes and tries to run five miles, it's a total different situation. And so what we need to do is realize that God has graced each one of us uniquely for the call, not to be better than the person around us, but for the call that he's called us to. Here, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God gave us each other and gave us gifts. We, we, we gather here, even on like a Sunday like this, to celebrate. That's what we do during worship. We're declaring who God is. We're, we're celebrating his goodness. When we talk about testimonies of, of things, we want to celebrate what God has done. We want to get excited about that. But there's also a time of, of, of teaching and a time of equipping so that we don't just walk in and have a party and get, get pumped up, but then walk out exactly the same. No, we want to continue to mature and to grow closer to who God has called us to be. To reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So to have unity in who we are and to draw closer to Jesus in our life. Then here in um, verse 14, he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect of the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So at the beginning there, we, we don't want to be infants. Some, some translations say children. And the idea isn't to, uh, to beat down children as the majority of those of us in this room are adults. We're not of a, a higher stature or something than you know, the kids in the classrooms. Everybody, our heart as a church is that regardless of your age, that everybody is experiencing Jesus. We're really big on uh, when we, we don't call the classes back there child care during the service. No, it's children's ministry. They're going to kids' church is what we call it. It's not safari land. It's not funville. It, the idea is in how do we give them enough uh, uh, sugarly, sugar, sugarly tweets, whatever I'm trying to say. <laughs> How do we give them enough and, and just create such a fun environment that they want to come back so we can get the parents in here so that the parents can, can be part of the church? It's not about entertaining them. It's about how do we build each one of us for all of us inside here to experience Jesus 
that he wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. But in that, there is a correlation to children in not knowing certain things, not being aware of certain things. You know, you have to, I had a, we had to teach our kids to look both ways before they cross the street. Uh, by the time I was 10, I think I got hit by three cars on my bike. <laughs> so that explains it, Vicki, that's my problem, no. And I never had a helmet on. <laughs> Go figure, huh? I don't know what that had to do with anything because it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I will tell you that the first time I had ridden my buddy home several miles without asking, so maybe it was judgment, but I had ridden him home and I was coming back and I was riding on the sidewalk and I was, uh, it was a one-way road going this way and I was riding this way and I was on the sidewalk just crossing the next street and this lady turned um, left and so I ran into her uh, passenger door, slammed into that. I broke the mirror off. My handlebar shattered her window and then dented in the door. I slammed into the car, came back, got a huge bruise on my thigh because I hit the curb with it. So the police come, and she wanted to file a report against me for the damage that I did to her car. I was nine years old. And... <laughs> And he's like, ma'am, like, you pulled in front of him. Yeah, but he shouldn't have been there. And um, it was interesting. <laughs> but <clears throat> um, we have to teach. We have to teach our kids um, to, to process and to realize that if you do this, there, there's cause and effect. And to help them realize that, no, not every single person, yeah, we, we want to love everybody. But not every single person is out for your best interest. There is evil out in the world. You do have to be smart. You do have to use discernment. You do have to, you have to use wisdom. We do gotta, we gotta grow, you know, and, and make them go to, go to school. And that's a, another difficulty because I think, well, let's just take them on a whole bunch of vacations and they learn a lot about life and I'll make them work really hard and so they'll always be able to get a job because they're a hard worker and um, tomorrow's a little more of the education world and uh, <laughs> so we try to balance that out so they go half the year. Actually, no joke, <laughs> last year we walked in, I think it was in February, we walked into the kids' elementary school and there's like one of these sandwich boards and they're celebrating how few absences collectively in the entire school there had been. It was like 54. Now, the crazy thing was we had three kids in that school. Yeah, three kids in that school last year. And I think we accounted for like half of those. <laughs> Just ourselves, if you, because our kids had been gone for like two weeks. or I don't know, it was crazy. But um, so we weren't helping their uh, thing. Infants. We, we, we want to grow because we don't want to get tossed back and forth by the waves. It is so easy when we're led by our emotions. What do we work with our kids the most on? We always tell them it's, it's not so much you, what you do, it's how you respond. We all make mistakes. We all have, have moments of, of just weakness in those different things. But man, it's, it's how you respond. 
because the response is a lot of times led. The, 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 the mistake can be an instantaneous lack of judgment. Or sometimes it's just a, an accident. Sometimes it is premeditated. But many times it's not. It's just a quick judgment. The response is really a choice. And it has a lot to do with your emotion. Am I going to start arguing back because I feel like I'm getting attacked and so I'm going to defend myself or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this? We were driving home from vacation on um, Friday and Tamar and I had had a wonderful vacation, um, probably one of the, the best we've had uh, in relating with one another. Um, and towards the end of it, the last hour, I just got frustrated, Okay. <laughs> I was proud of myself. I decided I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to try to go to sleep. I'm going to make myself tired. But out of my frustration, I started, though, acting out, if you will, um, some of my emotions. Okay? I'm getting tossed back and forth and I'm allowing my situation to move me around. Blown here and there. But we got to be careful of the teaching that's out there we got to be careful of, of the different things that are said. And this isn't just about, uh, it, it can be what maybe someone in this room has said. We can't let those things just move us around. we got to be grounded in who God has called us to be. And to continue to say we want to keep growing. Then here it says instead, so instead of all that, speaking truth in love. That we would speak truth. So we're not saying we water it down. We're not saying the truth doesn't come out. But you know, you can speak truth in love. I remember uh, when we first uh, started this church and planted it, um, I used to always tell, talk to Pastor Bob about uh, real people. And, you know, let's just, let's just be real. And uh, I was obviously against fake was what it was. But... And at one point, I forget if it was in a meeting or in a message, you know, he, he said, there's a lot of talk about being real. But in being real, you can be a real jerk. <laughs> and um, he wasn't talking to me, okay? <laughs> but the idea is, what did I want out of the realness was the truth. Let's just be honest. Let's just call it what it is. But in doing that, sometimes we can, we're not trying to love the person first. I, I, I went to a men's conference, and I've talked about it here, and they had these three words, courage, humility, unity. And it just, it, I didn't hear one other thing that they talked about. I mean, those three words just kept going through my mind. But I want to be courageous and walk out what God has asked me to be. I want to be bold where I'll, I can step into a fight. I can step into a difficult situation. But... It's not about stepping in with your muscles flexed and ready to, to, to go at it. you got to have the boldness to step in. But what do you step in with? Humility. What is that humility? It's saying, you know, I know this isn't actually about me and my strength. It's about what God wants. Okay, God, what do you want to do through me? I stepped in. Okay, how do you want to do this? And it's all for the sake of unity. That if I'm stepping into a situation, I need to have humility in the way I do it. And the purpose needs to be to bring people to Jesus. I'm not bringing them to me. I'm not bringing them to my belief system, to my thing. How do I bring 
people to Jesus, speaking truth and love. Then and again, there at the end, he says, um, in love. This is something we're doing in love. Bob put up those prayer points. They have so much to do with love. I believe there's a lot more people out there that are actually, whether consciously or subconsciously, actually open to the spirit. The problem is there's no one loving going to them. I found the more loving I treat people, the more open they are actually to what, what, what me sharing the gospel. Because they're like, I do want some of that. That is different. We want people to experience the love. Then here, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now this isn't to divide. He's not dividing. But what he's saying is, is they, this is what they were known for. He's actually talking to some Gentiles here. He's saying, let's, let's not live in that thinking. Let's not live in that mindset where we give ourselves to that. Not having a hardening of heart. We don't want to have a hardened of heart begin calloused. Here in verse 20, it begins, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Man, I, every day that I live, the more I realize how deceitful my desires are. I, I, I thought growing up as a kid in the church that the older I got, in a sense, the purer I was going to be. And the more I would want to look in the mirror and say, yeah, that's it. <laughs> That ain't the case. <laughs> Every day that goes on, the more the mirror to me gets bigger. And I begin to see even deeper into who I am and the way I think. And I'm more disgusted with it. To be made new. I want to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. But that's something we got to do daily. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you. So saying all that. Therefore, each of you. Say, I. I, I must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Remember, it's one hope. It's one Lord. It's one Savior. It's one God. It's one Spirit. We are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Man, I have tried that so many times, thinking, you know what, I just need to sleep this one off. I'll wake up at three in the morning more ticked off than when I went to bed. 
And I go back to bed, and then I'm mad at the person because they're the ones keeping me up. No, I'm keeping myself up. You know, it's that whole adage about uh, unforgiveness is drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. (laughs) We do not want to let the sun go down while we are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. But must work doing something useful with their own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. I love this. Because it's not just saying stop stealing. Let me slap your hand. Don't do it anymore. And you know what? Instead of stealing go work. It's not just about that. It goes the next step. God always has us go to the next step because it's not just about not doing this over here and being this. He then says, now you're going to step into this and you're going to begin to give freely. You used to take freely. Now you're going to work at it and use the gifts I gave you, but it's all for the purpose. I want you to give freely because it's actually not for your benefit. It's a complete change. Then lastly here, verse 29. Worship team, you guys can come up. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's build each other up. Let's speak life into one another. You know, we started working with our our youth about a year ago. As, as several years ago, we started trying to work with them in stepping out in faith and what, what's Holy Spirit saying to you and going and believing you and pray for people and they'd be healed and, and, and sharing your faith. But going another step of what is Holy Spirit saying? Now, so kind of the what are you supposed to do? But then asking two more questions. How are you supposed to do it? And when are you supposed to do it? There is the timing of God. And it's so easy. Sometimes we get so excited. I got my marching orders and we just run right into battle. And we end up shooting the wrong people or we get obliterated ourselves. Because we didn't slow down to say, okay, God, you you showed me about that person. You you, you gave me this word. How do you want me to give it? Because you know what? It's not just in me being obedient in just saying it. But the goal is for the person to receive it. And I'm getting built up that God wants to work through me. But if all I'm doing is just saying over and over and there's no love. Where I actually care about you receiving it. Then it's not going to go very far. So let's build each other up. You know, there's been so many studies done about bitterness and anger as it relates to health. I find that when I'm angry, it's a lot easier for me to get a kink in my neck, to pull my back out because I'm tense. 
I think I've shared it here before. I used to know that I was ready to lose my temper if I had a piece of gum in. It was kind of like my canary bird going into the mine because my body would produce so much acid, or I believe it was acid because it would dissolve the gum. It was from being hit by cars. It locked something new, or <laughs> knocked something loose. There was a hazmat, you know, container that got loose in my body. No, it, it, well, but if it can dissolve gum and give me rancid breath, what else is it doing inside of me? You know what I mean? If I'm so tense, but we got to get to this place where we're not holding on to things because we've been freely forgiven so we want to walk and freely forgive others. Because when we do that, we begin to let love speak through us. It doesn't mean we wash away truth. As we read, we speak truth, but we speak it with love. As we do that, we become an environment and a place where we're not quick to judge. We seek to understand before being understood. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. It's one of the things Tamar and I are always working on. We don't have a lot of disagreements of where to fill up our car with gas. Or, I guess we do disagree a little bit on what cereal to buy the kids or you know, little petty things like that. The majority of what we deal with is where we don't give each other the benefit of the doubt. And how much of what we deal with with one another and we allow to take place and to bring division really isn't something to be divided over. It actually wasn't a problem. We actually maybe weren't even that different in our thinking at the beginning. But because I was quick to judge your motive and I didn't seek to understand and I didn't give you the benefit of the doubt, I then created the problem. But how powerful if City Harvest would be a place where love rules. If we would believe that Paul is in jail somewhere writing us this letter, not to condemn us, but to encourage us in the call and encouraging us to walk in the call that we have been given by God's grace, where we're not competing with one another, but we're choosing to just show each other love and encourage one another in our walk. Will you guys stand? So this is the walk we want to step in. We want to be unified and we want to be mature. Not just so we can say we did that on our own, but so we can become more like Christ. And so we're going to go into this. Uh, can we go into song three? I know you're playing a different one. Are you? Yeah. I'm controlling here's the deal because to me it's about glorifying God when it comes down to it I'm a lot more humble when my eyes are on him I'm a lot more loving when I'm looking up to him when I mess up is when I take my eyes off of God and I begin to look in my own natural mind instead of being led by my spirit I'm led by my own self